0: This podcast is produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Now let's meet our guest for today. It's Linda Swindling. Now, Linda started off her career as an attorney and actually practiced law, and now she calls herself a recovering attorney because she left the employment and corporate law world and became a speaker and a writer and a coach, and she has gone from the courtroom to to the boardroom, and she knows firsthand the high-stakes communications and influence that decision-makers have to have. Her specialty is helping you communicate in a way that people will hear what you're saying. Now, Linda is also a CSP, that is the Certified Speaking Professional, and like our guest from a show ago, Lori Guest, uh, she is was also a CSP as, guess what, so am I. And less than 10% of the people out there who call themselves professional speakers actually have that designation that is given out by the National Speakers Association. And so I am really happy to have my friend Linda here on the show today. Linda, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, thanks Tom, thanks for having me. So, tell us a little bit about your journey and a little bit about your business today.
1: Sure. Well, you said I was a partner in a law firm and had practiced 10 years and worked with a professional coach and she finally said, "You know, what do you want here? We've tripled your your business practice and you're a partner. What do you want?" And I said, wow, what I wish I could do is this little piece that I do, which is talk to clients. And she said, you know, people get paid to do it. And and I didn't know that. And that's that's probably a common theme you hear from solopreneurs or entrepreneurs is we didn't even know there was a business doing what we wanted to do.
0: (laughs) Well, I didn't either. I mean, I I worked for a law firm as their marketing director. I'm not an attorney, and I actually was in the Washington, D.C. office doing a facilitation for a partner retreat. And afterwards, this partner comes up to me and goes, Tom, why do you work for us? And I actually took it as an insult. Like he was saying, why do we spend our hard-earned money to pay you to work for us? And as I sort of was dancing around the answer, he goes, I think you misunderstand. He goes, why don't you have your own business as a trainer and as a speaker? He goes, because we pay people a lot of money. And he goes, and you're as good as anyone I've ever seen in my career. He goes, you should have your own business. And I literally thought, I could do that? And you yeah, know, it took me a few years, but six or seven years later, that's what I started doing.
1: Yeah, that's and that's a, a common theme around small businesses is we, no matter what the business is, you didn't know that that was out there. You didn't even know that people made a living or, or would value that.
0: So, what are you doing today?
1: Well, today I do. Um, I write a lot of books, and it's around workplace communications, influence, negotiation, strategy. And I really helped those leaders learn how to communicate and, you know, long-term results is it usually keeps them out of the courthouse. So I practiced employment law and I found this was a better way to get people to get along and get back to work than waiting around for a court case or mediation or something. Um, So that's, that's basically what I do. My programs are designed for either the potential leader or someone who's leading at a higher level um, and they work around, you know, research that we've done to say, why are people not working for, for you or what can I do to work more? And, you know, training, executive coaching, communication skills, speaking A lot of speeches.
0: So was it scary to walk away from being a partner in a law firm?
1: It was. And one of the scariest things was, um, you know, how do you explain to people (laughs) why you went to school for three years and you got what I guess was success in that field by becoming a partner? How How do you turn away from that where you're actually making money? And that was really hard. I, I don't know if it was more ego or just the being afraid of what the unknown was. But oh. that that is scary to totally change direction and. You really need to have a story that's clear in your mind before you start telling other people what happened.
0: So I imagine it must have been scary from the standpoint of like your own personal identity and the fact that that was how you earned money and you had the, the partnership, you know, you had to go tell. But then was it hard to tell your family? I mean, I can't imagine after going to law school, you know, I'm sure your mother was like, oh, yeah, my daughter, the lawyer. And then she had to say, oh, my daughter who has quit the job to go talk.
1: Now, what was good was my husband and I both paid our ways through our graduate degrees. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I didn't have anybody hanging the, well, we paid for your law school piece over then, you know, the two of us. But yeah, there was an identity, I guess, not crisis, but more explanation. And I tell you what, one of the things that I think long-term led me to do it was I was miserable, just miserable, practicing law because it wasn't effective. Um... I think lawyers are incredibly great people and they work very hard. For me, I was getting people's problems at a point that they couldn't be solved other than through the courts. And that was a very expensive way to do it. And I felt sorry for people. Um, I had the honor of being a mediator for several years. And I would see people who were in court cases, in, in these employment law, beat up cases, you know, beating each other up in the courthouse for four years and you'd get in the room and Basically, they were saying the same thing, or they just had a misunderstanding a lot of times, and you think, oh, my goodness, you guys have been spending your time and effort doing this, instead of really working together and create something. What? But, yeah, that the identity crisis was tough. I tell you, the turning point was my husband um, saying... Linda, I, I just want to see you happy.
0: Right. Well, you bring up a very interesting point, Linda, in the fact you said, I, I was just miserable. I mean, yeah, it's a respectable job. I, I work a lot with lawyers and law firms, and, and I, too, think they're great. But I meet a lot of them who are miserable, and they do not want to be practicing law. But I think there's people out there in a lot of industries who get up every day, slodge through and go to work just to go through the motions. And secretly, or maybe not so secretly, they're miserable. So I think you hit on that what what should people be doing if they're listening to this podcast and they're thinking they're talking about me what should they do I,
1: for a lot of us it's family you know we think about what's going to best serve our families and uh, for me a, a big turning point you know sometimes deaths and births really make a difference and uh, <laughs> we had we we're about to have our second child but i think more importantly was the one that um We had a 13-year-old cousin. Greg's 13-year-old cousin was dying of a brain tumor, and he asked to see us as his last wish. Yeah. So we flew to Florida and then came home, and um, my husband looked at me, and he said, you know, if we're that important in somebody's life, we need to do something important with ours. And I... I think that was the catalyst for me. He was a, a banker and he went into financial planning to help people plan for retirement and for their, you know, insurance needs and all that. And I just started this journey um, of talking to an executive coach and exploring different careers. And I, I stumbled upon this basically because it was like what you had said. I was good at doing something. So what do you do? The very first thing is you got to make a decision. Yeah. I, I, rather be a little bit embarrassed or a little uncomfortable or even not quite know something and be happy. And that's a big deal for a lot of us. I, and I don't know, have you seen a lot of entrepreneurs that um, they have some triggering event either like that or, you know, early on in my law career, maybe a year in, um, my whole firm dissolved. <laughs> All of a sudden, I had no control over where I was going or my employment or anything. We were in the worst economic times for law firms. And there I was with lost student debt, basically having to scramble and find a new job with 115 other, other attorneys in my firm that the firm dissolved. So I think that's part of it, too, is I'm, am I ready to take control of my future and then am, am I willing to do what it takes to, to move and
0: do it. And I think a lot of people have some sort of a triggering triggering event that happens. It happened to me. I got laid off and you know I, I, I would love to say I didn't see it coming, but it was in April of two thousand nine, which is arguably the bottom of the recession that we went through. And you know, when it happened, I, I had already been speaking, I'd already written a book and, and all this, but and I wanted to go do this career. But I was probably held back by fear and uncertainty and I was the primary breadwinner for my family. And once I got laid off and there were no jobs for, you know, middle aged guys who were, you know, marketing directors for services firms, uh, I just decided I would give it give it a shot. And we took two years and it, you know, we hemorrhaged cash. But at the end of two years we were able to turn it around and actually get, you know, a, a legitimate business going. So I think that a lot of people, you know, feel miserable or or they're stuck or you know, they just have this ping inside them that they want to go do something. Else, and then there is a triggering factor of something that says now is the time, and and the writing is on the wall. Right, and
1: I found a lot of help in getting um, not just advice from professionals, but also from an executive coach. That might be something. And I'll I'll tell you what really helped me. I posted a quote I found on on, just on my uh, wall right by the computer that was a Ben Sweetland quote, and it says, "You know, success is not the destination; it's the journey." I even named my company Journey On. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to change direction. You know, basically, Journey On. And that really helped me. So find maybe some things that inspire you that you can look at. Talk to people who've done your business or have made changes. And then you might want to look at an accountability partner, a coach, a mastermind some other people around you that will help you think.
0: Well, and that is such good advice because the reality is it's the people around you that really make the difference. I mean, if you're not surrounded by supportive people who are who are challenging you to think bigger, who are, you know, lifting you up when you're feeling down, I don't think you can do it as, you know, as a startup or as a solopreneur because it's just too hard. I think at the end of the day, you absolutely have to find the right people around you. And it sounds like your husband was that person and he was really supportive. How important do you think, you know, your spouse and your family family, uh, is for somebody who wants to make a move like this?
1: I think his support was a quiet support that I needed and grounding. And he's he's not a cheerleader, you know, rah, rah, let's go. But just knowing that he didn't think I was a failure meant all the difference in the world. Um, anybody else could have said anything else. <laughs> you know, I had a I had a five-year-old and a newborn baby, and that was not ideally the time to jump and go do something different. But that said, he said, I want you happy. And so that supports huge. And I, I know you've got a very supportive family. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that you'd be surprised at how supportive your family is of just you wanting to be happy and they just want to know that you have a plan and you're safe.
0: And my wife says it all the time that, you know, I was very successful in corporate America, but she says it all the time that I'm just happier. And people look at my schedule and they say, oh, he travels so much. He's away so much. And and it is true. I mean, I'm, I'm gone more than I was when I worked in corporate America. But even then I had I had to entertain clients, I had a sales job or a marketing job, I had to to go to networking events after work, I had to entertain clients. And sometimes I had to travel, attend conferences or or go to other meetings that the companies I worked for would have. And, you know, but when I would come back, I'd still have to be at work at 730 or eight o'clock the next day, and I wouldn't get home until 630 because of traffic. And once I started working for myself, when I was away, I was away. But the rest of the time, when the kids come home, you know, I'm, I'm in the house. I was able to drive carpool. I was able to attend events uh, more often than when I worked in corporate America. My wife says, you know, at the end of the day, he's actually around more, even though he's gone more. So it, it sort of balanced itself out.
1: Um, I, I've spent weekends with my family.
0: Yeah. You know, that was,
1: that was a big deal. My husband said, you know, you were always getting ready for trial or doing something. We never saw you on the weekends. So you make trade offs, but I, I think for a lot of us, it's control. It is absolutely the control to live the life that we want to try to live. Now we're going to have to do compromises and clients are going to call all at once in one week or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of people say, I've, I'm going to take more control. You know, you said something that just triggered, though, um, something with me, Tom. This can be lonely. Whatever your job is, if you're an entrepreneur or solopreneur, um, you can even be in front of lots and lots of people like you are, and, and yet it can be lonely. So do, do find some, not just your family, but some colleagues that um, they don't even have to be in the same business, but somebody, some people that you can get out and network with and support and can help support
0: you. So, Linda, you've been doing this for well over a decade now. What do you love about <laughs> it?
1: What do you love um, about working for yourself? I love the creativity, and I love the ability to make a difference, and if I see something, I can go to a client and say, wow, I sure think we should use your efforts here. Let's, let's do this. Let's try this. Um, I, I can get stopped in the middle of a speech like I did a few years back, and somebody say, wait, go back to that part about the complainer's part. And that day, I can go out in the hall and make a call. We can do a newsletter on it, which ended up being a book. I can address issues immediately. And there's not, you know, three months of um, committees and board meetings in order to make sure that that change happens.
0: So if someone's listening to the show and and this is resonating with them, they're like, I'm miserable or I'm stuck or I just am in the wrong, my ladder is against the wrong wall. What advice do you have for someone who wants to start their own thing?
1: A couple of things. One, get a run ramp, meaning um, some know how much money you need to make and by when. I actually did this once. I figured out the job. It took me three years to transition totally. So you want to figure out what's your plan, build your support, and then start doing some informational interviews. Start finding out people who are doing something along the lines of what you want. It's kind of like dating, right? You want to when you're dating, you're dating people. You say, "Oh, I loved his sense of humor," but wow, what a jerk! Or, "Oh, she was so smart." That's what I'm looking for in a potential spouse. It's, it's very similar to that. As you're starting to get into the career you want, start asking people, you know, what, what works in this? What's tough? And start finding out what their secrets are. That will help you a ton. And join a professional association that does what you do. You and I are, you know, diehard NSA fans, Central Speakers Association fans. And it's because they're people that think like we do and support each other.
0: Well, I've so talked get, about,
1: get with people doing what you're
0: doing I've talked about this repetitively on many many episodes that no matter what industry you're in join your trade association and don't use the excuse of oh I don't want to go where my competitors are because at the end of the day not everyone in that association is your competitor because they in our world they might have a different topic in other industries you know there's geography that's involved you know if you live in Dallas you know and, and, and you're a plumber you're not competing with a plumber in Los Angeles so you know what you build a great friendship and they come up with a great marketing idea that's just making their phone ring and causing them, you know, to go to the next level, and you're their friend, they'll tell you what they're doing. And you can be the person in Dallas who's doing that. But if you're if you think that, oh, I don't want to go where my competitors are, I'm just going to go where I can sell to people. You know, what happens is, is that you either don't go anywhere, or you just go places where you're trying to separate people from their money. And what kind of life is that? So I'm, I think you're right on target that join join groups where you can get around people who are like-minded, who can be part of that support group, and you will have more success.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, some of these big companies, they don't want these little jobs. If you're a great air conditioner um, repair person and that's what you want to do on your own, you're not going to compete against these big ones, and they will be more than happy a lot of times to refer you business that just isn't worth their time and effort but can make your career.
0: Well, and and I've developed a relationship with two sort of well-known speakers who are both in their 60s who are training me how to present their material because they don't want to take some of the smaller jobs and as they get older, they don't want to travel as much and they want to keep their, their message out there. And so I'm working with two of them on how can I be their right-hand guy and I met them because I belong to the same association. Perfect. That's perfect. So Linda, I got a lot more questions for you, but before I jump into those, I got to thank my sponsor because I am really, really excited that this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Now, Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. How do I know this? Because I've been working with Podfly since episode one of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. They're my production company. I met them at Podcast Movement, and I, you know, the problem with trying to start this show was I thought I'll never be able to do. All the production and all the tech. It's just out of my realm of of expertise. Plus, I travel so much and I found them and they had great programs and they were willing to work with me. Podfly helps you set up with the right equipment, the right training, and the guidance to make sure that you're going to sound amazing when you do a podcast. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so you can focus on doing great content and growing your audience and interviewing fabulous people like Linda Swindling so that listeners out there, like those of you who are listening right now, can actually hear the show. Now, if you've been thinking, I want to start a podcast, I'll tell you what. Podfly has an exclusive offer for the listeners of cool things entrepreneurs do. Just go to podfly.net slash cool things that's p-o-d-f-l-y dot net slash cool things and they've got a special offer for you and i can't say enough good things about them and i am really proud that they're my sponsor for this episode hey linda i call this show cool things entrepreneurs do so what are you doing in your business right now that is cool
1: we are doing original research and instead of me trying to create, you know, oh, I think they need this, or I think they need that. We're actually doing surveys. Um, We had over a 1,000 people for the book before um, the Stop Complainers book, and now over 800 for the new one on the high-performance book. And now, all of a sudden, I'm doing what, you know, marketing people have been telling us for years, ask your clients what they need. And we're coming up with custom designed solutions that you know they're they're not seen anywhere i was I was interviewed by another um another magazine company, and they said, "Wow, I've never heard some of these solutions well, yeah, because this was original, so that to me has been really interesting, and I would think it would be very easy for um any of your listeners, to do their own. Get on the phone or get someone who's objective or do a survey and find out what they're really facing right now, your customers. And if you could wave a magic wand, what would they get rid of or what would they do more of? You're going to be shocked at what people say. And a neat thing to do would maybe be to do some podcast on your topic. I mean, that podfly just sounds amazing. You could use that as an entrepreneur then to reach out and, you know, do some podcasts that are designated for your clients. They would be all over that.
0: So I think that some of the best entrepreneurs out there are observers. So we could talk about Linda Swindling and all the cool things that you're doing all day long, but I want to hear what you see out there in the world. Who is another entrepreneur that you see where you say, hey, he or she, they're doing something cool.
1: Well, it's funny you should ask this. I've, I've seen this over and over again. Um, four different entrepreneurs are doing the same thing, and I can't crack the code yet on how it's going to look like for us. Brian Sersley, who runs a granite company, I, he has a sailboat in Italy, and he can go off for a month and his business still runs. Uh, another friend of mine, Courtney Ballmering, um, has a medical transcription service. Victoria uh, Williams has a Spanish schoolhouse, and she's, she's the CEO of – something where she can step aside and allow the business to run um, and only come in for maybe a day or two during the week just to make sure the direction's going. I've seen it with um, uh, Mystery Shopping, Feedback Plus. So I've seen it like four different times for these entrepreneurial people have built a company that they can um, basically replicate themselves and it's, it's not all about them. Um, Diana Buer does this. You know, great people who can deliver um, your materials or your services or handle your granite sales or handle your um, teaching children or handle your medical transcription services without you being present. And these aren't thousand, pe- thousand people companies. These are small companies where these um, CEOs, these presidents have figured out how do I replicate myself? How do I repurpose what I do and teach it to others so that I can go out and either do a different business, have um, some, have a travel opportunity, spend more time with my kids? How can I do that? And that's what I'm fascinated with right now.
0: Boy, I tell you, I mean, I look at my business, and, and I have a lifestyle business. At the end of the day, if I'm not on stage or I'm not coaching with a client, you know, there's no money coming in. So, I I mean, there's something exciting about that.
1: Yeah. Um, I got really sick, and I had all these days of training. And I had to go and show show up, and it wasn't my best. My mom was in the hospital. I didn't get to see her until she got home. I mean, that's that's inexcusable. And so again, it's personal sometimes it's what leads you to to start figuring out things. But wow, to be able to go to Europe for a month and not even have to worry that things were happening, and he said, and "We had one of our best months ever. Maybe I need to travel more often. You know how <laughs> exciting. <laughs>
0: Well, it is interesting because even in the situation, you know, that that we're in where we are the product to some extent, so we have to show up and do the training and the speaking or the coaching. When my father was ill, he was 99 years old, and he had had a great journey, great life. I've talked about him on a couple of other podcasts, but – at the end of the day, there was no cure for being 99, and, and as he was getting near the end of the journey, you know, my brother and I would have conversations about every week or so where I would tell him where I was going to be and when I was going to be speaking because the one thing I really didn't want, it wasn't fair to me, it certainly wasn't fair to a client, was I didn't want my phone to ring right before I was supposed to go and deliver, you know, a big keynote, and the same thing is every time I would be scheduled to speak somewhere, I would look at who else do I know who's a speaker on a similar type uh topic in case something happens do i have a plan b and you know being able to have that that plan b set up for yourself even if even if you can't you know replicate yourself you do need to always have that plan b because you don't want to be in a situation where you're sick or your mother's sick or whatever it is and you don't have an option for your client and this goes back to what we were talking about about getting involved in your trade association guess what if you're friends with other people who do what you do you have a support network if you go down with your health or you have an emergency in your family
1: absolutely and it's not if it's when
0: yeah that's true all
1: will have a something we've all had a something and it just to have that backup contingency plan, that's great. But to be proactive about it, that's the ticket.
0: Yeah, I think that's good advice for all of us. That's good. When you figure it out, will you tell me? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't know how to do it either. <laughs> so, Linda, in addition to being great observers and to be watching trends and things that are happening out there, I also think great entrepreneurs like to give back. They like to make a difference to the greater good. So what are some of the things you do to serve others?
1: I do what a lot of people do. I um, I participate in my in my church. I'm on on the praise band. I'm a singer, and I do the choir. And I do a lot with our professional association, the National Speaker Association. Um, here's something I do that maybe not not a lot of people know I do. Um, I work with a social services agency that's in our city. It's called Metrocrest Social Services, and <laughs> You know, Tom, we have this gift of gab. A lot of people don't. So I help people. I'll go in and help them um, speak better for interviews is what I used to do with them. Now I do, like, their holiday store. My uh, son did his Eagle Scout pro- program for their thrift store. But these are people that um, are working poor because work is all about, you know, I love, I love people who are trying to improve themselves. So they are working poor in four cities. Um, sometimes they fall in hard times. They need to visit the food bank, or they need help interviewing, or they need rent assistance, or they need some sort of emergency assistance, or getting back to getting back to work, or getting back to school. A lot of the kids need help there, so that's where I spend my time, and I try to get speakers to go speak to them. Um, we've even worked our holiday store for the last several years as a as a speakers chapter because we don't mind being the Santa Clauses or the you know going around and shopping with some. And that's what I try to do is. Look for something that I do well and who needs it. And so MetroCrest has just been a real heart pull. And and I know they they do a really good job with their money and their management.
0: And they're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area?
1: They are. It's MetroCrestSocialServices.org. Excellent. Yeah, and I've seen their books. I served on their board for six years and was president for a year and I know how they manage their money. They do a very good job.
0: Hey, you know, before I close, I want to go back and ask another question that I was going to ask you at the front end. So you were a practicing attorney and you haven't been for for several years, but what do most... What do most entrepreneurs do wrong when it comes to the legal side of the world? I know you can't give legal advice, but being yeah. a lawyer, I imagine you have sort of a leg up when it comes to contracts and negotiations and maybe some other things. What, what advantages uh, do you have having been a lawyer, and what things should entrepreneurs watch for in their business?
1: That's a great question, because I actually, when I transitioned from law to speaking, I um, wrote a book with a, another consultant called The Consultant's Legal Guide. You know, we really looked at all different aspects. One of the big ones is contracts. Have an attorney look over your contracts because here's what happens. The small print and the big print often take things away that you thought you had. Um, a lot of us, when we're working for companies, we will be required to sign a nondisclosure. Well, have them sign a non-disclosure for your stuff, too because you're there doing your special services, whatever it is. Maybe you have a cleaning service and you do it a certain way. They will often sign a mutual non-disclosure. Um, you want to look at employment practices. If you're going to hire somebody, you want to look and see, can this person really be a contractor or are they more of an employee? So you want to go through the Department of Labor's tests and make sure, you know, what kind of control am I giving this person? Do they have other clients? Are they an employee that I need to hold taxes out on? Um, make sure, I mean, this goes without saying, make sure you've got a good CPA and keep on track on those books because I used to see a lot of entrepreneurs um commingle their funds. They treat their corporate account like their private account. Um, so watch that. Watch your business entities. Um There's lots of different entities. Whichever one is right for you, your accountant will help you do that. But what you might need is just more insurance. You might need licensing. Um, You really want to get somebody that is proactive in your business and will not just fight the fight that you tell them to fight. (laughs) Instead, you want them to say, what's the best business decision here? Um, there's a lot of different tricks like uh, trademarking or copywriting or using somebody else's stuff. Wow, you can get in trouble there too. So because we're held to this just about the same standard as a big company with all the laws, you honestly, you need to get an attorney. Um, there's a lot of small business groups um, through the colleges, through the government, um, small business administration. Look for some programs there and see if um, you can go and at least hear about the basics of law. And then you can start meeting attorneys who speak there. And, And those people have a heart for small business. And that's what you want. You want a referral to an attorney who has a heart for small business and will
0: help you. So that's great advice, all of that. Again, Linda, I am so glad that you agreed to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for coming.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Tom.
0: So if somebody listened to this and they're like, I need to know more about Linda Swindling and what what she offers and and I'd like to reach out to her, how do they find you? Let me give you two types.
1: One is you can always go to journeyon.com and it's tons of stuff to go and play and look and um com is one and then another one that might be kind of fun for your folks is stopcomplainers.com it has a lot of tools and you can see what kind of complainer you might have or you might be dealing with so that'll that'll give you two of them journey on and stopcomplainers.com both and,
0: of those and you wrote a book about the complainers right
1: I did, Stop Complainers, and then the new one coming out is the Manager's High Performance Handbook.
0: Excellent. Well, I I remember when the Stop Complainers book came out because, as it turns out, we all run into complainers all the time, and and you had some great advice in that book.
1: Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. I love, love, love this um, format, and i love the people you're reaching
0: out to well and I you know I loved having you on the show and so many of our friends have been on the show but uh, the show keeps you know evolving it's always a little different I'm trying to you know kind of change it up a little bit from time to time and if you're listening and you enjoy the show let me know send me a tweet at cool podcast or run over to the Facebook page at cool things entrepreneurs do on on Facebook and uh, let me know what you think and if you have ideas for guests please reach out I, I love it when I get emails for ideas sadly I can't respond to everybody but every Every now and then, someone gives me an idea, and boom, it turns out to be one of the best interviews that we've done. So uh, participate. Let me know that you're out there because it makes it more fun for me when I know that people are actually uh, listening. And maybe uh, go over to iTunes and leave a review. You know, It's still a young show. Getting reviews on iTunes help people find cool things, and therefore more people will listen, and we can grow that community. So again, Linda, thanks for being on the show. For those of you who listened, thank you so much. Tune in again in a couple of days where we'll have another guest, and we'll talk about the cool. Things they're doing. In the meantime, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do Podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great-sounding podcasts.